0: You're listening to the Creating a Brand Podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics that help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. How would you like to effectively raise more money for your business or your nonprofit cause? Today's guest is Kara Logan Berlin. She is the CEO of Harvest, which is a company that focuses on helping people who want to change the world figure out how to pay for it. Kara and her team work with people and organizations from small startups all the way up to billion dollar fundraising projects. Kara is an expert at getting people to invest and donate money to causes that matter. She's been featured for her work on the official TED website and their YouTube channel. Today, Kara is going to share with us three ways to become an effective fundraiser. This conversation is really insightful and going to help you a lot on your journey to funding whatever it is that you are creating. So let's not wait any longer. Here is my conversation with Kara Logan Berlin. Thank you for joining us on the Creating a Brand podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited.
0: Yes, this is really uh, an interesting topic we're going to cover today. It's something that's more unique than we've covered in the past. Can you tell the audience about what you do?
1: Sure. I am a development and strategy consultant. So what makes me a little different than probably a lot of the people that you have um, on your podcast is that I do my work for nonprofits. So... I teach nonprofits how to raise money, how to build relationships, how to, um, increase their support and the, the, you know, the communication that they have with donors, whether it's from individuals or corporate partners or institutional foundations. Um, I work with everybody from small nonprofits that have budgets of a couple hundred thousand dollars to, um, I co-lead strategy, uh, on a project for um, a $1.6 billion fundraising goal. And, um, and I work with people in every sort of nonprofit, which is really every sort of industry. Because as I always say, the only difference between a nonprofit and a for-profit is the tax code. They still run the same way. You still have clients, you still have to build relationships, and you still have to pay your bills. So it's all revenue.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right with saying that. And I want to make sure the audience understands that what you're talking about today and what we're going to cover isn't just for nonprofits. And I think a lot of people get that idea in their head when they hear the word fundraising. You think social cause, nonprofit, but what we're going to talk about today applies to, to all businesses, right? Not just by the status of your, your tax code, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you want people, I mean, it doesn't even have to apply to people who are entrepreneurs or starting a business. If you want people to do the thing you want them to do, there are lots of ways that you can get there. And part of it is by how you tell your story. Part of it is how you put yourself out in the world. A lot of it is the relationship building you do before you make an ask. And then, you know, the biggest and hardest and most important piece is how you ask for what you want and you demonstrate that need. And that goes, that goes to everything that we do, no matter what type of business we're in or what type of relationships we have with the people we work with that skill set is transferable for everybody.
0: It definitely is. I found that to be true. I do find that most people get this topic wrong, which I hope that we'll jump into in a moment here. Um, and I want to talk about three ways to be an effective fundraiser. And now, you know, for the audience's clarity here, I actually heard you share this in a TED Talk. And I found it oh. so fascinating and so interesting. that I was like, man, we, we've got to, to have you on the show here. Actually, you know, you laugh a little bit, because a lot of people have reached out to you since you've done a TED Talk, Right.
1: A lot of people have reached out from the TED talk. It's also, you know, just funny for me from like a human standpoint, that TED talk almost gave me an aneurysm. I was so nervous. (laughs) I had never done anything. And I teach a lot. I teach to large groups. I teach, you know, through some universities or foundations, you know, to as many as 150, 200 people at a time. And that doesn't make me nervous at all because I know my stuff and it's, you know, it's my content and I believe all of it. And you use a deck and you have slides but doing a TED talk, you know, I had to write the whole thing, and then I had to memorize it because the teleprompter like really didn't work, and I thought it was going to kill me. So when it was when it was over, I was mainly just happy it went okay, um, and then it actually got bumped up to the TED website and. Lots and lots of people have seen it and reached out, which is wonderful. But it was really just icing on the cake that I didn't die in the process. So
0: um, <laughs> you know, <it's> funny. <laughs> as someone who watched that TED Talk, you looked completely confident. It was actually, you know, and I've, I've watched a lot of TED Talks. I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. It was one of the best I've ever seen. I'll definitely link to it in the show notes. So everyone can see it as well. It, it didn't show which is. There's something to be said there about public speaking and the way it makes us feel versus the way we actually look to people, but that's a whole other topic. But it's you did true. a great I mean, job.
1: It's a thank you. It's a good lesson, really, for fundraisers: the fake it till you make it. Like, just keep going, and it's going to be fine. And I, of course, <laughs> when I watched it, I was I could see the two places where I had lost my my train of thought. And the first one was I just walked out and started and was so nervous. And then I saw my husband, and I thought, "Ooh, there, there's Rich." And then I was like, wait a minute, what am I saying? And then at the end, I had like two lines left. And uh, I got through one part that I'd flubbed a few times when I practiced. And I was so relieved that it went well that I was like, oh, yay, I did it. And then I was like, wait a minute, what am I saying? So <laughs> it was, but I'm, I'm glad it didn't, it didn't show. Um, which, again, is a lot of fundraising, right? That you go and you you, you move forward with confidence and fundraising. We call it, you walk towards the barking dog. So you do the thing that scares you. You have the conversation, you ask the question that makes you a little nervous um, and you do it fearlessly and and the dog doesn't bite you. Um, when you show that weakness, you end up in a little bit of trouble. But a lot of times when I, when I work with clients and they say, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's the right time to ask about that. Like they have a lot going on. I don't know if it's the right time in the world. The markets aren't doing well. All of that. I say, listen, our job is to ask the questions and to build the relationships, to be able to ask those questions. And then we have to let them answer it. You know, a lot of times I think people make the mistake of making decisions for their donors or their investors by saying they wouldn't be interested in that, or they can't give us that much money, or they can't make a gift that large. When the truth is, that's up to them. They're grownups. They're allowed to answer the question on their own. And our job is to ask it.
0: Absolutely. You know, Carrie, you're already dropping a lot of value for us right here. I want to transition right now into those three main ways to be an effective fundraiser, because we're kind of talking about this one already. You talk about the the number one thing being the feeling about the feeling we have about wealth and money. Can you talk about that, how that plays a role in fundraising? Again, whether it's nonprofit, for profit, whatever it may be, our relationship with money is where it begins, right?
1: It is. I mean, being a fundraiser, you know, or being somebody who's raising money for something is such a weird job. And if you don't have a stomach for it, you really shouldn't do it because it's just weird enough that nobody should have to, uh, should force themselves to do something like this. But for me, you know, a big part of what makes raising money easier is that I've reframed it in my mind that I'm not asking anyone for anything. I'm giving them an opportunity to do something extraordinary with their wealth. So I have something amazing that's so awesome, that's better than anybody else. If it's a nonprofit, you know, we deliver these services better than anybody else. 300,000 disconnected youth live in New York City. We engage them and employ them and empower them better than anybody else. And if you care about this population, if you care about New York City, you want to fund what we're doing. So a lot of being able to do that is that I don't have any hangups about money. So, I'm not scared of people with money. I don't think people with money are smarter than me. Or, I mean, sometimes, a lot of times, they're smarter than me, but that's not because they have money.
0: Um, <laughs> beside the point, right? Yeah, it's
1: beside the point. It's an aside. Um, but I don't believe having money or not having money makes you special or not special. I don't believe that. I believe that they have more money than me, just as a fact. They have money and they have money that they invest in things and they have money that they give to causes that they care about. That's a fact. I don't have feelings about whether they should have it or why they have it or if they have too much of it or all of those things because if I get into that rabbit hole, I will never get to the point where I feel like I can ask them for it. So coming to terms with how you feel about money and getting over your own garbage will help you be able to do this better. So if you're somebody that feels like, everybody with, with X amount of money shouldn't have it, it's unfair, it should go to other people, the world is unfair, and you're angry with them, that will infect how you talk to them and it will infect how you ask for their support. And yeah. if you're afraid of them and you think that they have all of this power and so much more power and money and importance than you, that also will affect how you ask for them because you won't project the confidence that they need to see you as someone to invest in. So it's really important that you figure out how you feel about this and you reframe it for yourself in whatever way you need to so that you're able to have these conversations with people and feel like you're on equal ground.
0: Yeah, one thing I've always noticed about money is it seems to be like a taboo. People don't want to talk about it. It makes them uncomfortable. How have you been able to overcome this? I know that now you're—I'd consider you're one of the most advanced in the world at being a fundraiser. But how have you been able to kind of overcome that feeling? I know you're talking about, like, I guess, kind of gathering a different mindset. Is that what I'm kind of collecting yeah, here?
1: It is. It's it's gathering a different mindset, and I mean, by nature, I'm a I'm a very direct, honest person by nature. Um, probably more so if you ask my friends and family than I need to be, um, <laughs> but. I don't like having things sit in the room and feel where people are and have that heavy weight. I would rather name it. Right. I would rather say, and so I'm able to have these conversations in a much in a way that I feel like is really honest and organic. I mean, I don't want to use the word authentic because that poor word has just been bastardized, but um, I, I feel like I'm able to say to people, listen, you know, if I sit down with a donor and I'm working for a nonprofit, I say to them, listen, part of my job is to let you know every way we partner with people. And I'm always going to tell you about every event we have. I'm always going to tell you about every campaign we're running. I'm always going to share with you all of the ways that different people partner. And you get to pick the ways you want to do that. But my job is to make sure you know about them and that you're You know, you're educated on the things you can do and whatever you don't want to do, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Like it's either for you or it's not for you. And if it's not for you, that's totally fine. Like, just tell me that. And then I won't keep sharing that same idea with you instead of going and meeting with them and visiting with them and not you know ever making the ask and they're, you know, we're 30 minutes in on the relationship building part where we've really gotten to know each other and we visit and we chat with each other and we enjoy each other. And then it's now time for the meeting to close and I'm putting my coat on and as I walk out the door I say, "By the way, would you consider a $10,000 gift?" You know, <laughs> right. like it's I'm not going to slip it in, it's not a secret ask. So it's really important I think that you figure out how you can talk about this best. But in my mind, donors or investors, if they've taken the meeting with you, they know why you're coming. You're not friends. They've taken the meeting with you because they know you're there to pitch them on something or to ask them for their support.
0: As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to one 299 i will respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to one 299 i am looking forward to talking to you within the Creating a Brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. Kara, this first point is so important. The feelings and relationship we have with money and wealth really does determine how effective we're gonna be able to actually be in the art of fundraising, whether it's meeting with investors for a product or service, or if it's a nonprofit. Either way, that relationship is really important. And it actually goes perfectly into our second point for today, which you already touched on a little bit, but actually building those relationships with the individuals that you're going to be asking to give you money, building that relationship and how important that is. So as we begin talking more about the relationship building side of things, uh, I want to mention something that you just brought up, which I believe is key. When you walk into a room, set the expectation. It shouldn't be weird for people just because you're entering a meeting. Everyone should already know that there is going to be an ask of some sort. So there shouldn't be like an awkwardness about it. Would you agree with that? And maybe it's always there, but what are your thoughts on this?
1: I mean, that's clear in who you are and who they are, right? So that's already out there. And they're waiting for the ask. Whatever the ask is going to be, they're waiting for it. They know it's coming. So I would rather chat with them and visit with them and then say to them, you know, usually at the top of the meeting, I say, if it's a donor I've met before and I know well, I say, listen, I just want to update you on where we are with things. And I want to share a few ideas we have. And then I just want to get your thoughts and see what you think and what makes sense for you so that they know this is the agenda, this is why I'm here. Now, if it's a brand new meeting and I've never met with them, there's a lot of relationship building and fact-finding that needs to happen in the conversation initially. So I wouldn't just launch into an ask out of the gate because I don't know them. Part of what makes you good at asking for money is that you've taken the time to listen to whoever you're talking to and to do your research and to figure out what they care about and what's important to them. And you're able to actually, you know, craft your ask around what you know they like. So instead of just saying to them, you know, these are the things we're doing and this is what's, this is what's super interesting and this is what you're going to want to fund. Instead of that, I take the time to say, you know, how did you first hear about us and you know, are there other, are there other organizations like us that you support that we're sort of aligned with? Or was this because you had a relationship with someone and, um, you know, on the board, is it because you and Brian went to school? Is that how you first got to us? And, and then, you know, what else do you support? What matters to you? Where, you know, you live in New York. Are you a New Yorker by nature or like by birth? Are you a native New Yorker? Um, where do you go to college? Where do you meet your partner? Are those your kids? They're so cute. You know, having a real, regular human person conversation with someone, as it turns out, helps build a real human relationship with someone. Um, right. But you know, but th- those things also tell you a lot about what they care about. And if they say to you, you know, I've always been someone that really believed in taking a chance on the underdog, and or I've always loved mm. big ideas, but I've never done, you know, I'm not a big idea person. I have this regular day-by-day job, but in my spare time, I've always wanted to invest in these things. Or I've always cared a lot about healthcare. Or my child was really sick when they were younger. And because of that, we're, you know, we're very active at this hospital. Or education was so important to me because my mother was a teacher. You know, these real great conversations you have with people help you think about what is it I do that really will appeal to them. So instead of saying, let me tell you every single thing we do, I can say, you know, that's interesting. That's a lot of how we think about this specific program. Like, you know, that's how we see, or that's what we want for our students, or that's how we think about this, all of those things, you can customize it for the person you're speaking to. And by doing that, you increase the likelihood of them supporting you, you know, twice by twice as much, because it doesn't feel like you're trying to be a used car dealer and try to sell them something they don't really want or need.
0: This is really a key part that I think a lot of us want to skip. You know, we get really nervous. So we walk in there and because of our uncomfortability, I guess, with, with money, you know, that mindset that we might have (laughs) even myself, I, I think of myself when I, um, I started a few years, actually, this was more than a few years ago, let me go back uh, eight years. Eight years ago, uh, I started a real estate investing company. Um, I was partnered with a local university. I needed to to raise some capital, and I had a meeting with somebody that happened to have capital, which I didn't have. I had the idea, I had the business, and all that. And when I went up, you know, I met with the person. I was beyond nervous. I couldn't even carry a conversation. And finally, the person just said, "You know, I I want to invest with you, right?" Like this is a win-win situation. I want to invest with you. <laughs> and they were the ones that like saw through me. And I was like, what am I doing? Like I should they be were focused like, on let how I can... make
1: this easy for you.
0: Right. Not everyone gets that opportunity. I don't think everyone's that that, you know, interested necessarily. But what are some other ways that you've been able to to build that relationship and kind of give get past the initial nerves? Like because I just want to talk a lot when I start getting nervous. And this actually brings us into your third point for us today, which is how to ask for what you want. Now, I know the first two points really tie in directly with this, our feelings about money and wealth, and also the relationships that we're building with people that we're going to be asking for funding from. And now I know there's some proper techniques and some strategies for getting what we want when it comes to funding our businesses and our nonprofits. Can you talk to us about some effective ways to do this?
1: Well, and your biggest, your, you know, your, your biggest tool when you are asking for money or support is silence, right? It's, We always say that, you know, you ask, when you ask, you should then count to 10 and slow yourself down. That is scary. It (laughs) is, right? It feels scary because you want to say to them, you know, would you consider investing $50,000 in in the work that we're doing? And you want to, when you do that, like what you want to do is then just be silent and keep smiling at them with like a really benign look on your face. But what most people do instead is they say, "Or twenty-five, or ten, or whatever. It's fine. You don't even have to invest." Uh Like we naturally try to make it better um, and smooth it over before the person has even gotten the chance to answer you. So you you know the biggest tools you can have. One thing, and I, I talk about this in the TED Talk, but I love the phrase: "Would you consider?" You know, if you're making the ask, it's so hard. Sometimes the actual language is so hard of like, what are the words I use to ask someone for money? That's the hardest part sometimes. So I think that the phrase, would you consider is really helpful because it gives them an easy out, right? If it's the wrong amount, they can say, you know what? We're actually not making any new investments this year. And it gives you a second ask where you can say, well, do you think this is something you would want to revisit next year? Or, you know, if you were making investments, are we the type of person you would want to support? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps, like just getting your language in. I also think there are like a few really big tips that make all of this easier. Before you walk into a donor meeting, do your research and know who they are, what else they fund, what their average gifts are what they care about, what matters to them, um, what a reasonable ask is, all of those things. Like, have that information. Don't go in blind and think just because you're charming and you have a great product, they're going to give you money. So do your homework. And then... you know, when you make the ask, like get to know them a little bit and ask questions and float ideas for things to try to gather more information that is actually applicable to what you're going to be asking them for support for so that you can have that conversation. And so you're ready. And when you make the ask, say, you know, would you consider with everything we've talked about and everything we've shared, you know, would you consider investing at X and say a dollar amount? Because you need to be able to see how they react to that. If a donor or an investor, if you say to them, would you consider giving me $25,000? And they say, sure. Just so you know, you asked for too little. If anyone says yes to you right away, you under asked. And that is probably because you didn't do your homework. Um, And if they say to you, listen, that's way out of the range of what we're thinking you can say, well, what are you thinking? And, and you can say, if you because you'll feel awkward in that situation, right? And you can say, listen, I wasn't sure what the right amount was, and we threw that out, but um, we really just want to partner with you in any way you're comfortable. So what amount would make sense to you? Like You don't have to say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, never mind. You can say, this is a conversation. And I say that to a lot of donors. I say, listen, this is supposed to be a conversation. You know, I'm, I'm having that conversation right now with a lot of donors around plan giving and making, you know, making gifts for after you've died. Like how do you want to give your money away? And I say to them, this is a conversation about what you're, what you want to do. I know that you care about your legacy and I know you care about what we do. Um, so how do you want this to look when you think about how this would work? How do you think about it and let them fill in a lot of the blanks uh, which, which will make it easier and a lot more manageable especially in your brain, because even for fundraisers that have done this a million years, they still get nervous. I still get nervous. I feel my blood pressure go up when I start to make the ask. I feel my heart rate go up. I can tell my skin is getting warmer, all of those things. And I have to slow myself down. And remember, it's just a conversation. So you want to practice. And I would say to anyone who's asking anyone for money, find a friend that you trust that will give you decent feedback and practice the ask with them. Let them play the role of the investor or the donor where they say, that's not right or I don't like that or how could you possibly ask me that in this market? Like go to the worst case scenario um, and walk through how that will sound and how that will work so that you can get past some of your jitters.
0: So those three ways become an effective fundraiser, number one, are understand your feelings about wealth and money. Number two, learn the importance of building relationships. And number three, how to ask for what you want. I think these are such good points. I wish you were in my life about eight years ago, um, going back to you know just finishing my story with that, that donor. It turns out that person had a lot of money. I didn't know that. I didn't realize I had that much money. And also, they love to invest in real estate. I asked for uh, way too little. I got an immediate yes. I got what was <laughs> not a bad deal, but it wasn't as good of a deal as I could have no, because I was so nervous. Bad, but you're Didn't...
1: like, "No." <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, "Hold on a minute. He probably would have tripled that if I would have just asked for it." But, you know, it comes back to really knowing that. And in the day kind of what I took away from your TED Talk and my conversations with you through this call and uh, other calls that we've had is that really you have to believe without a doubt in what you're doing or what you're creating. And when you do that and you keep that the the focal point of what you're going after, you remember the importance and the impact it's going to have on the world. It makes a big difference when you walk into any scenario where you're asking for money or investors or anything like that. Wouldn't you say that's the case?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think absolutely. And I think you get better. The more you do it, you get better. The more confidence you get. You need a couple wins and there will be losses in there. You have to remember that fundraising is a rejection game. The majority of the people you try to get a meeting with say no. The majority of the meetings you get, you don't get the amount of money you want. Sometimes you get a no from an investor or a donor for years and years, but if they will take the meeting with you, you are still in the game and you have to keep reminding yourself that this is a long game, like getting money from somebody. It should take more than one conversation. They're giving you money and they don't know you from Adam, like It should take longer. So be patient and be fair about the process, both to yourself and to the donor. Remember, nobody has to give you their money. You're not entitled to it. So don't walk in there like you should fund me or you should support me. And don't walk out cranky with what you get. Remember, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And keep doing the work. And if they continue to meet with you, they want to fund you. They just need you to evolve to a place where they feel comfortable doing it.
0: I love that Kara. This is a great way to end this episode. I want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the creating brand podcast today and just sharing your wisdom about fundraising. This was really helpful for me. and I know many of the audience members as well. So thank you again for being a guest.
1: Thank you so much. Anytime. I loved it. And uh, you're doing such good work and you're really helping people. And I, I really admire that.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You got it. you what cara really changed my perspective on fundraising with this conversation in the next couple of months i'll be raising capital for a project launch i've been working on for a while and i feel far more equipped after having this conversation with Kara today and i trust that this has added value to you as well now for my favorite part of the week this is where i get to have a conversation with you about the episode if you will please go to creatingabrand.com 049 to answer my question for this episode which of the three points mentioned in this episode is your strongest suit and how has it helped you excel in business? I'm looking forward to hearing how you answer this question so I can learn more about you. Kara, thank you again for being a guest and helping us all become effective fundraisers. You truly are making the world a better place. To learn more about Kara and to attend one of her fundraising development webinars and also get a link to her TED Talk, please visit creatingabrand.com/049. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.